What's going on, everybody? It's Tristan Mathers, and welcome back to the Conquer Your Life show. This is the show designed to obliterate adversity and ignite the fire inside of you, helping you to reach your full potential. In each episode, I sit down with a remarkable guest who have battled their own demons head on and won. If you hunger for relentless inspiration and knowledge, you found the right place. Welcome to Conquer Your Life, and today we have on Kenny Robinson. He's a family man and full-time serial entrepreneur from Fairhope, Alabama. Thanks for hopping on today, man. I'm excited. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for having me. Um, we talked just briefly. I know that your listeners didn't hear it about what it was you were you were doing, and I'm going to share a piece of information with you. It's going to be probably a good added little addition to the today's show. I was also law enforcement. I was a police officer for 13 years before I got into being an entrepreneur. So youth, troubled youth, lacking mm -hmm. guidance. I've I've got a ton of experience uh dealing and what happens if if you know today's youth doesn't have the proper guidance and and, and come up the right way, learn you know mm. the the important lessons that I believe are, are lacking in culture today. So I think this will be a this will be a great episode, man. I'm looking forward to it. Dude, I am too. I didn't know that about you. How long were you in law enforcement? For about 13 years total. Uh first couple of years I spent in corrections at the county jail and I became a police officer and I worked for a couple of different agencies here local to South Alabama along the Gulf Coast. I did a lot of really cool stuff. I was uh, I handled canines. I did that mm. for quite a while. I was uh, on the SWAT team. I became a designated marksman. Sniper is a cool word for it. I did that for several years and uh, had a lot of fun, but it terrified me because I was so happy I could see myself retiring there and I didn't want that to happen. Mm. I always felt like I was supposed to do more. So I made myself leave something I loved. And here we are. How's the journey been so far from going from a uh, police officer to entrepreneur? Man, it's been that uh, entrepreneurial roller coaster is the only way to describe <laughs> it. Some some days are the highest highs. And then some days you wonder what we're, you know, what I'm even doing this for. I should have just kept being a police officer you know it's, it's it's one of those things i would say in the last couple of years um after seeking help hiring a coach and uh learning how to own and operate and manage a business and understanding finances and how to manage people it's had there have been less bad days over the last couple of years than than uh than good ones for sure so we're blessed in that in that stance and then also it's kind of hard to complain about the the bad days when that's what we prayed for for so long. So it's hard yep. to not be grateful for the problems that we do have. Right. And it always just makes you better at the end of it, man. So what are the businesses that you own? So we own Roof Savers. Um, it's a roofing company. We be I began that business in 2019. In fact, July 29, 2019, the first day I made a dollar by myself as a, mm. as a business owner. And that's my wife and I's anniversary. So it was a nice little way it all tied together. God sort of had a plan, brought right. it all together. And, and it was on our, ver on her, on our anniversary that we kicked that off. And, uh, we were, I became a roof max dealer. Roof max is a product that is used to extend the life of shingle roofs. And I kept trying to find negatives, couldn't find negatives, decided to give it a shot and do it part-time while I was also still in law enforcement full-time. And, it sort of took off. We did a lot better than we expected. So we decided to go all in, leave. My wife was in law enforcement as well. 
and um, we both left and and committed to being entrepreneurs 100%, and it's been a, a blessing. Since then, we've acquired a couple other businesses. The most notable, we have an Italian ice business at the Foley Outlet, Tanger Outlet Mall that does very well for us. It's seasonal. It's summer work. It's my wife and all my family. They're down there now working that for mm. the summer, but we've uh, kind of become serial entrepreneurs i got something else i can't talk about today i would love to but it's it's going to be big you'll see it in a, in a couple of weeks i'll launch it and it's i'm really excited about it yeah you got me excited now too man I, two questions for you number one uh i was a i was a roofer uh for mm -hmm. about a year and a half um but i've never heard of roof max and then on top of that just i don't know what italian ice is so if you could answer those for me i'm curious if you think about, I live in South Alabama. I'm not sure exactly sure where you are, but here the heat is intense. The sun is intense. It bakes down on asphalt shingles. It begins to dry out the petrochemical oil over time. Essentially, all we're doing is replacing that dried out petrochemical oil with a USDA bio preferred oil. It's uh, for the most part soybean oil. It restores the flexibility and pliability of the shingle by about 60%, decreases granular loss by about half moving forward. It uh man, it 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 decreases the damage of hail impact. And I think they're they have actually studied it in the lab now. If I remember correctly, I don't want to misspeak, but I'm pretty sure that it slows the rate at which fire will spread as well, which is all all great benefits. And each treatment is typically 80% cheaper than replacing a roof, and it comes with a five-year guarantee so it's all pretty pretty good stuff we got into that we were doing very well with that and then after about six months i had a lot of people wanting us to replace a roof so we decided to go ahead and get into roof replacements and i started building a team production sales operations and uh our first year we had been open for nine months and here in, in my local community the uh, it's a, there's a newspaper organization and they do a, uh, sort of a best of Baldwin. It's Baldwin County, Alabama, where we live. And we finished second place that first year for roofing contractor in, in this market. And then the last two years in a row, we've won both years. So we've nice. sort of came in and, and, and took over. And all we really did was answer our phones and show up and try mm -hmm. to do good work. And when we mess up, answer the phone again and go back and fix it. And it's really, it's kind of that simple, just doing the, the little things. And um, I had a guy that after Hurricane Sally hit, he was needing a roof on a, a RV park and on his home and he didn't have enough money for both. And he had some freezers and push carts and that kind of stuff in his garage. And I negotiated a, a I bartered a deal. I traded him a roof for all of his equipment and I opened a, an Italian ice business. Wow. At the uh at the mall here locally where we live during the summer. And uh my kids work it. They make eight dollars an hour plus tips. My I have a 14 year old son and he he made sixty-two dollars in tips this weekend plus eight dollars an hour. So I've got, you know, and they and they help we before the season starts, we help them, we make them help us with wrapping and cleaning everything and prepping everything for the season so that when the summer gets here and his friends start saying things like, it must be nice. I said, you just have to remember they weren't there with you mm. to prep for this, to push for this. It's going to look like 
what you're doing sitting there selling ice cream is easy. They're going to see all the hard work that went into it. And this is how life is, you know? So I get to mm. talk to my kids and teach them lessons. And um, it's just been a blessing, man. It's just been a blessing. We wake up every day. We try to be happy. We try to smile and we mm -hmm. try to show up the best that we can. Man, what a way to lead by example, teaching them the ways that you, I would assume wish that you would have been taught or you were taught similar. Man, I, yeah, I, I, so I was taught that way. My dad was cut from a bit of a different cloth. I, I grew up insanely poor, very poor. I had a mom who was an addict, still an addict to this day that I didn't really know since I was probably four or five years old. She was out of my life, but really, really, really poor. And and I know a lot of people say that poor is a mindset and it, and it genuinely is because I was raised to believe that that people who were successful, people who had things were greedy. You know, I, I, I wasn't raised. It was just a little different is, is, is how I, is how I could put, it. but I was always raised. Now my dad did a lot of amazing things. Like, you know, anything worth doing is worth doing right. How you do anything is how you do everything, like work hard. So he taught me all of the sort of manly, how to take care of a family lessons. He put a ton of emphasis on hard work. Mm. It's just as uh, as I got a little older, I started realizing that there's a place for hard work, but there's also a place for smart work. Mm -hmm. And so I, uh, I kind of started to deviate a little from the upbringing. But see, I I'll back up a minute. In 2008, I lost my dad to colon cancer. He was 49 years old. So at 26 years old, I was trying to figure out I didn't have a mom. I had just lost my dad. I was still pretty young. I was married, had two kids. I currently have five children, by the way. So I had hmm. to figure out how to make, I had to, had to figure out how to make some money <laughs> to feed all those hungry kids. And, uh, but no, man, I, I was, just, I was raised a little different. I was raised with some very good hard work lessons, but you know, what I try to teach my kids now are those same lessons as it pertains to hard work and, anything worth doing is worth doing correctly. And I try to teach them all of that stuff. But at the same time, I also try to talk to them and hopefully they understand that hard work isn't the only way to get something done. There are other ways to go about. Um, and I'm not saying be lazy. I'm not saying take mm -hmm. the easy route, but I don't have to be the person roofing the house to own a successful roofing company. Those are the type lessons mm -hmm. that I try to teach them. If that makes sense. No, trust me, man. You're you're hitting a whole bunch of parallels that I can connect to you. So my dad, I grew up pretty poor as well, and he was a he's a stonemason. So I grew up with him being a stonemason and learning the hard work and doing it the right way. Um, but he's still so darn stubborn. He's 44 now, and his body's breaking apart, and he's still doing all the hard labor. And I worry about him, but he's too stubborn to hire anybody else because he doesn't think anybody can do it as good as him. So I learned growing up, he didn't teach me on purpose, but I learned, okay, work hard and work smart at the same time. Do both and you'll be ahead of the curve, which is, I'm grateful for it. Um, I wish, I wish though that I could just help him out a little bit. That's another reason why I want to build Conquer Your Life too, is get him to a place where he could fill in because he's a good coach. He's good with people too. And I think that might be a good opportunity. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, 
most dads who raise respectable young men, like I can tell you are, without even meeting your dad, I can tell just from the interaction we've had this morning that he's probably a, a, a pretty decent guy. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You don't just accidentally end up with, with, with good kids. Now, I will say, based on my time in law enforcement, I'll throw <laughs> a disclaimer in here. It's not always the parents. I have met some phenomenal parents especially when I was doing that career who just had kids who once they got old enough to make decisions, started making their own decisions and they weren't the best of decisions. And, and, and in my house growing up the same way, I have a brother who's doing great now, but for many years of his life, he was in and out of trouble, in and out of prison. And um, we were raised side by side, same rules, same conversations. We shared a bedroom and and went, you couldn't have went into more opposite directions, which is why I believe it's that much more important to seize every opportunity to have a conversation with your children yeah. as possible. What do you think it was just hanging out with the wrong crowd with your, your brother? Yeah, there it was a little bit of that, but at the same time, man, I'm not, a, I'm not a big fan of blaming the crowd mm. ever as much as I am. It's, it's, you still have to make those decisions. Now, I think everybody's decisions can be influenced by the people around you. But if I'm just being a hundred percent honest in my life growing up, I could tell when those influences were pushing me in a direction I didn't really want to go. Yeah. And I just made the decision to, to cut those ties or to not do those things. And my brother thought it sounded like a lot more fun to go along with the crowd. So mm. is part of it the wrong crowd? Sure. But I mean, part of it, you still have to take responsibility for your, for your actions and your decisions. For sure. Thanks for saying that, by the way, um, because it is true. You can be a wrong, you can be around the wrong crowd, but still take the necessary action to get yourself back on track. Um, I definitely grew up with the wrong crowd, I, I was starting doing drugs and drinking from an early age. Parents didn't know, but from like seventh grade to 22, you know, that's what I was doing because I wanted to, I wanted to hang out with the cool kids and do all the cool kids stuff. But luckily I got out of that. God decided to step in and put me on the path that I'm on now, but I'm just curious to dive back to what you were talking about with, with the kids. And no matter if they were raised good or not, they ended up um, getting, into the wrong places what are some lessons some things that you saw that you could because the people listening to this are a lot of them are 18 to 25 years old and i know you can spill it so i'm curious man to me if i was just going to give advice to especially someone 18 how old are you 23 23 so you remember 18 uh, way more vividly than I'm sure I do. I'm 40. So it's, mm -hmm. it's been, a, it's been a little while since I was 18 years old, man. But for me, what I remember the most about being 18 is that every decision feels like it's the end of the world. Like it, mm -hmm. you think everything rides on this one decision and that's just not the case. You have your entire life ahead of you. So the one thing that I try to talk to, to my kids about, and I, and I'll, I'll put it like this. Since my kids were little, I've, I've had this saying, I heard, a uh a guy i went and watched um it was like a mastermind i went to i was probably 24 25 years old i remember my dad was still around so it was my early 20s probably i was around your age i had gotten involved in a little bit of uh you know some multi-level marketing type stuff and they were real big on personal development personal growth and um i, I remember watching a speaker and he 
said from stage that every day he went through uh uh sort of a routine with his kids and before games and before that kind of stuff and i adopted it and started doing it with my kids but i would always ask my kids how do you win and they say work hard and i say how do you get better and they say work harder I say, who do you become like? They say, the people that you hang around the most. I say, what does winning get you? And they say, respect. What does respect get you? Influence. What does influence equal? Leadership. And then I say, what can you do with leadership? And they say, change the world. So we would do this. We would go through that routine daily and before baseball games. Or, you know, like if my son came home from school when he was in trouble for talking, and I said, hey, man, what happened today? Tell me what happened. And he says, you know, just throwing a random name out there. He says, well, I sat next to Tristan and he was <laughs> talking all day. And uh, so I was talking back with him and it got me in trouble. And I said, OK, I'd say, what kind of kid is Tristan? He get in trouble a lot. And, you know, he would start talking. They would answer these questions like, yeah, is he getting in trouble for talking quite a bit? And I was like, yeah. And I was like, OK. I said, who do you become like? And they would say the people you hang around the most. And I'm like, perfect. If, if that's the kind of kid you want to be, then continue to hang out with him and when you say these things all the time you can have those type conversations because he's like man i could see the little light bulbs sort of go off in their head now now don't get me wrong i'm 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 no naive parent i'm sure my son was in those instances was just as much instigating as the other kids like i said i've never been one of fan of blaming it on the crowd but i think yeah. when you talk to them a certain way you can help them have those realizations and at as a teenager, one thing I remember about me, you know, I did a little bit of that too. I never messed with drugs at all, none of them, because of my mom and the the addict that I knew she was. And I had a lot of family members around. Think one thing about growing up poor in South Alabama, there's a lot, and and I'm sure that the the poverty level has something to do with it everywhere sort of saw that correlation when i was in law enforcement but it seems like the less money the more opportunity to get in the bad stuff mm. there yeah. is there were drugs and stuff everywhere so i knew that i didn't want to go down that path so i never had an issue with drugs but i did mess around with drinking a little bit being with the wrong crowd that we did stupid stuff mm -hmm. at parties and you know like like any other kids do i just remember in those moments I would I would tell myself I, I knew then if I continued to hang out with this crowd and room these people, I knew without a doubt that there was no way I could accomplish anything big in my life. And I just knew where I came from in my entire life. I've been driven by a desire to not have anybody around me have to grow up in like the way that I did, if that makes sense. It wasn't a bad childhood. I wasn't not happy. I was just broke, man. I just remember being broke. I remember not not having things. I remember getting picked on for the way I dressed, for the clothes that we wore, for the shoes that I wore as a kid. And I just never wanted that for my family. So even today, my why, what drives me more than anything is not is is my wife and my kids not having to go back to that place. Because me, it's kind of bittersweet. It's, it's kind of a, a double-edged sword for me because I think about the house I grew up in and I made a post on Facebook not too terribly long ago and showed that house and how my kids would be terrified to even go in that house. It was so, you know, run down. And But at the same time, some of the happiest, most fondest memories I have in my life were made in that house. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I'm not afraid to go back there. Like that, that feels like home to me still. 
So I'm not scared of it, but I don't want my family to go through it or, or see it or experience it. So that's kind of why I push so hard, if that makes sense. Oh, and dude, I, it all makes and, sense. <laughs> in a conversation that I had with my son, my, I have a 20-year-old son, and me and him were talking not long ago. And he he was like, man, look at all you've done. Look at all you've built. And he said, he's like, well, nobody in our family ever has to worry about being poor like you were again and that's when i hit him i was like i was like and i call him kenneth he's the third and uh i said look man i said here's the reality of it i said the reason i've worked so hard and pushed so hard in my mind is because of how i came up how i grew up and he's like yeah i see that i said you didn't (laughs) you didn't have those struggles you didn't live that life he said no and i said if we're being honest i said even right now today man you have a tendency to be pretty lazy and he said that's fair and I was like, so if if something were to happen to me, I said, do you think you could step up tomorrow and and run companies and manage people and do all the stuff that I do? And he was like, well, no. And I said, then then I haven't changed anything for I've changed it for myself. I've changed it for you. I've changed it for your younger brother and sisters. I said, but if something happened to me today, where would y'all be in 10 years? I said, it's up to you right now to start figuring out what kind of man you want to be, what kind of purpose you want to live with, what kind of legacy you want to leave. What do you want to build? Mm-hmm. Like just sitting around thinking about this isn't that bad. Well, it's not that bad because you got people looking out for you, you know? So just having a conversation with him, trying to make him understand that you, you better get started doing something now. Man. <clears throat> everything that you're saying is connecting so many parallels to me. It's not even funny. Like this is, this is great. And I'm so grateful that you could hop on today. Um, I had Clifton Muckenfoos on here a couple weeks ago and Dustin Magley. So mm-hmm. we're getting, we're getting the team on here, man. And, and yeah. every single one of y'all are so, so inspiring, man. Um, so I grew up in the most ghettoest part of Wichita, Kansas. That's where I'm from. And, uh, and, it, we called it the blue house and it got broken into all the time. SWAT teams would go and raid the houses next door um, for drugs and stuff. So I, that's how I grew up into that. But like, I look at that and I realize like, I don't want that for my kids either, you know? So just then and there I was connecting all these dots, which is awesome. I want to buy that house one day just to have it. Um, but on top of that too, how I was raised, my my dad taught me how to work hard, which is the, one of the best things that I have. I'm very grateful he did, but he wasn't there a lot of the time. Like I feel like you are with your kiddos, and I'm it's I'm not mad at him about it. I'm grateful for it because if that wouldn't have happened, then I wouldn't have even been on the path I'm on today. But at the same time, I want to make sure I'm there for my kids, so I can raise my kids and teach them how to be leader be leaders. And what you were saying about the, uh, I don't know how you did it. I'm going to clip it, but you went down the list of you become this. If you do this, if you do this, you do this. And it got to leader and like it or not, I have followed that same thing and, and have gotten to leader, but like still, man, it's just so powerful. Like that's something that everybody needs to hear. I don't know where you got that or came up with it, but that was beautiful. Um, I'm going to definitely make a video to post that. Um, and then as well. When I was 19, I went through one of the hardest times in my life. Um, I had three friends pass away in three years and uh, or three months. 
and uh, lost that I, who I thought was the love of my life. You know, I was young, so I thought it was the end of the world. But I went through a lot of struggles and adversity, and it was the first time I heard God's voice. And the reason why I'm telling you that is for your 20-year-old son, like, I don't want a 20-year-old like your son to have to go through what I went through to finally break free to then get there. Because a lot of young bucks, they go through something similar, and they get stuck, they they commit suicide or they get into drugs and they just go down the wrong path. Luckily I got out of it and I, I'm just summarizing a little bit of my story, but that's one of my biggest drivers for, you know, you don't want your kids to grow up how you grew up. I don't want that either, but I don't want the younger generation, like the me's out there to have to go through it. Cause I know most of them don't have the people around them. Don't have the, the just energy to go and do it like I did. It was all a divine thing. Why I'm even on this podcast talking to you right now. And mm -hmm. that's something else that's missing too, is the spirit of God I and mean, people chasing it and creating that relationship. So I know I just went on a tangent right there, but you're firing me up, man. And I appreciate you. So to be crystal clear as a teenager, I was diagnosed with Asperger's. I have a tendency to go on tangents and get it, get very lost. And what it is that I'm saying, so I can relate to you. Um, when you said you went on a tangent, I do that all the time. So we're we're, we're good there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, man. I I, I, I want to add something. Um, so since I know that there are a lot of younger people listening, I I, I want to share that what I know today, being 40 years old. If if anybody listening to this, that's you know young in any type of situation where you're struggling i don't i can't i can't convey the importance of talking to someone who's been where you are been where you want to go and actually genuinely listening the hardest part I, that, that i remember for myself from being a teenager the hardest part for me was when my dad would try to talk to me or a football coach would try to talk to me or some role model would try to pour into me. I, I catch myself today actually picking up on those lessons, on those, on those lessons, like remembering back to what someone said and like, man, that's what he meant. I wish I would have listened to that when I was 18 years old, but something happens when you're a teenager and as your brain begins to develop, you start to think you're grown. And, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful kind of way. I mean, you genuinely start to believe that you have it all figured out, that you know what you want to do with your life, and you you don't even know what life is yet. And you have so many people that are trying to pour into you and guide you, and they're not doing it from a, a place where I don't want you to have fun. They're just saying, hey, I, I walked that walk at one point in my life, and it ended horribly for me, and I would hate to see this happen to you. But as a teenager, we always feel like, I've got this. I don't, I don't, you know, you just, you're so dismissive in what other people say. If I could, if I could get anybody listening to anything it would just be, don't be so dismissive. Don't be so just, just hear people out because they genuinely have been there. They've been through it. And every day, this is my opinion. Every day we walk around our brains, fundamentally what they do is just collect data. So that mm -hmm. you can, so you can survive tomorrow. Every day you build upon the day before you're collecting data so that you can survive certain situations. 
And at 18 years old, you haven't had that many. You have had very few unique life experiences, very few things that you've been through. And there are people in your corner. There are people in your life who can help you, who can who can shorten that learning curve for you drastically, you, who can help you avoid the mistakes that they made. And um, man, if 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 there's anybody out there that's struggling right now, listen to those people in your life. And and I do believe genuinely that when I was a teenager, I didn't listen to anybody mm-hmm. about anything. I had it all figured out. And it wasn't until I was probably mid thirties starting to be an entrepreneur. I mean, I had already been a police officer for over a decade. And then I, I, I really started to start to put things that my dad had told me or something that a coach had told me or something that I heard from some old wise man on the bench at the gas station. And you start to see these things click as you get older in life. Mm -hmm. So there's wisdom out there. If you're willing to, if you're willing to pay attention to it. For sure. And just to add to that, to anybody listening is I used to be that person as well, you know, so closed off when people used to come and tell me something, I used to be like, Oh, they're just throwing stuff at me to try to be my dad. And, try to blah, blah, blah. You know, I didn't respect it. Well, growing up, truthfully, you know, I was told to do things that my parents weren't doing. So I lost the respect to want to listen to them if they weren't living that example. Well, it got to a point where, and this is what I'll add is your parents don't have to be that person. Obviously, it's awesome if they are, but there's a lot of people out here like Kenny and I who have went through certain things that can give you the advice that you need. And that's my mission is to be that person for you guys too. Cause I have, I am 23, I am young, but that allows me to connect with you guys on a different level as well, because it is the truth. And, uh, what he's saying is so powerful. Anytime I don't know something, I do not try to figure it out on my own. Cause I know I can't, if I, I mean, maybe if I sat there, but we only have a limited amount of time on this planet, why not go and get the information from somebody who has been here twice as long or have went through it twice as long as we have? Like, it's a cheat code. It really is a cheat code. And the cool thing about it is these people are willing to dive into you and give you this information because they wish they would have had it. And it fires sure. them up to be able to give it to you. So you're doing yourself a disservice if you're not asking, but you're also doing a disservice for somebody else to learn from you and to fully just give you their full attention because they want to. And that that is the 100% truth. And I bet you, Kenny, you could agree with that. Absolutely. 100%. Every word. It's real, guys. It's real. Um so man, I want to I want to talk about your time at, at at in jail and you said that you've d- done a lot with kids who are trouble and who have gone through certain things and I don't really know the right question to ask, but I'm curious to know maybe some stories you can share about certain things, maybe some wins, maybe some things that you wish that you maybe didn't see. I'm just curious to know if anything pops man, straight to your mind. There's a lot of stuff that I wish I didn't see and there's a lot of stuff that um, <clears throat> that the, the, the hardest part about all of it for me is, is when there were, there were certain kids. And of course I won't use names, but there were certain kids that you would see getting in trouble. You would see it start to progress. You would understand who they are and, and what kind of sort of stuff they're into. And this is something else that a lot of the, a lot of the youngsters listen to this need to understand is 
Um, and I just use youngsters like I'm my grandfather. So that's, I'm, I must be getting really old. <laughs> but a, a lot of the people listening need to understand is when I was in law enforcement, you start to know, like, it's not an accident that you get pulled over and get caught with, for example, marijuana. Like it's, you have teachers, you have principals, you have coaches at the school, you have parents, you have all kinds of people that call all the time and they won't help with their children. So a lot of times if a good police officer is in, is in touch with the community, they understand what's going on. They understand different people within the community. And, you know, I've been to, I've been to houses where I'll, I'll tell you this. I went to a, a call and I was a police officer in Orange Beach, Alabama. And I went to a call at a condo and a lady had felt, had found um, some marijuana in her son's uh school in his backpack and she wanted him arrested and taken to jail and all this. And I wasn't fixing to arrest this lady's child for that and him and turn him into a criminal. I was like, man, he like, you called me, you found it. Like you should be a parent and just handle it yourself is what I, is what I thought. I could, you can't say that to someone in that situation, but what I did, I kind of, you know, explained to him how much trouble he could get in. We went down all of this and I, we walked into the bathroom. I made him flush it down the, down the toilet. I went and did a little incident report just so everything was documented. But about four months later, that same child, that same teenager ended up taking his own life. And so I looked back at that and I was like, well, what if I did take him to jail that night? Would, could he potentially, still be alive or but but what what I ultimately settled on for me was I did absolutely everything that I could I didn't want to create a criminal I wanted to explain to him the importance of of what was going on but I think what more than anything what was going on is there was a disconnect at home mm-hmm. and he didn't have anybody that he could talk to at home on a regular basis and I, and and looking back on that whole situation it wouldn't surprise me. And I don't know this to be a fact. I'm just sharing an opinion, you know? Mm-hmm. So looking back on that specific situation, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if all he really needed was somebody to talk to, to understand him. Like maybe the fact that the, the, the marijuana was found wasn't an accident. Maybe that was a, a sort of a cry for help. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and and I don't th- I think there are a lot of parents who instead of having the hard conversations they want to be friends with their children and instead of being that authority that disciplinary whatever that situation calls for that it actually needs they want to be a friend and I've had seen a bunch of people call the police and try to get the police to come in and be sort of the enforcer so that when the police leave I can go back to being your friend and it doesn't have to be uncomfortable and that just doesn't work I'm not saying that that's what caused the situation that I'm referring to, you just ask specifics. And I remember I've dealt with kids who I've seen bad things happen to that. I really wish I could have gotten through to. And, and, and if I'm being a hundred percent honest, there's some of that stuff is, is a little bit of a, another reason why um, it's hard. It's very hard to be in law enforcement these days. Like I, I think a lot I think police officers a lot of times are tasked with parenting children. They're tasked with mm-hmm. dealing with the with the worst, you know, one, two percent of society all day on a daily basis. And um, 
during that career, I found myself getting sort of a little jaded to the world, a little insensitive to things that I should have been sensitive about. And I didn't like how I felt in some of those scenarios too, is another reason why I kind of thought if I continue to do this for forever, it'll, it'll fundamentally change who I am as a person. And I, I didn't like, I didn't like the way I felt about certain things because you see so much of it. Like, for example, seeing someone in a car accident hurt badly. Um, and to be able to be able to be standing there while that's going on and have a thought, you know, I wonder what what we're what, what I'm going to eat for lunch. And in that moment, then, then you then you start feeling like such a horrible person, like, man, this person's clearly may not survive you have family on the way we're gonna have to notify you know family and and you still have the thought of what you're going to eat for lunch and it's like you you become that desensitized to sort of society that Mm. i didn't i didn't really like that if that makes sense Oh yeah, and that was that was one of those tangents I was talking about. I got completely sidetracked in that, but no, I don't think you're getting sidetracked necessarily. I think you're doing exactly how you need to do it, man. It's 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 you're doing great. Um, <clears throat> would you say that parents, you know, hold on a second, I'm just I'm really trying to figure out what I'm trying to say here. So from what you're talking about, you know, it sounds like parents aren't doing their job raising their kids in a way. And they call law enforcement to come in and bridge that gap for them. Do you think that comes from, you know, I don't know, man, I I haven't been a parent yet, but it's just it. The desensitizing thing that you're talking about is huge for me because I've been exposed to a lot of death early on, like in high school, there's three friends that I got to see in a casket. And, you know, after high school, there's three more. So I was pretty like opened up to it, like, Oh, another funeral. And I don't like that feeling now, but it's just the truth. Like I'm very desensitized to it with death and stuff. But like, what do you think is the way to kind of overcome that in, in society as a whole, not just with you and I, but what what do you see that might need to change in the near future to get it back on track? Man, I don't I don't know if there is one thing that could get everything back on track. I'll tell you, this is just my perspective. This is just me looking at the world. And it's a it's a scary time to be alive. It's a scary time to be raising children because I believe most the majority of people out there care more about what's happening on social media, what's happening, you know, in their phones. And 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 the thing is, is I, I do believe, and I don't want to toss around words that get people upset, like misinformation, but regardless of what side of the political spectrum you're on, there's a ton of misinformation out there. I believe, my firm belief is is that everything that we do in life, you have forces from be it good and evil that tug at you all the time, and it's very hard to know the the correct path to take so i think where a lot of parents go wrong is that and and i'm guilty of this too so don't for a minute think that i'm any better than anybody else because my kids have cell phones my kids have access to netflix youtube all that type stuff 
I try very hard to have conversations with my kids and be president and be present in their life consistently because I think a lot of people end up just allowing it's easier to let the television, the phones, the games, the YouTubes, the TikToks, and all of that raise your kids. Like if they're kind of out of sight, out of mind, being quiet, and you just assume that everything's kosher and it isn't always that way, you know, like, and, and like I said, once again, I'm not saying any parents out there are doing anything wrong or bad because I'm guilty of it myself. It's just at the end of the day, what scares me is I don't really know once they walk away, what they're doing with that phone, who they're talking to. You know, I've seen so many kids being enticed or sort of, you know, you have pedophiles and everything else that, you know, there are many times in my law enforcement career that, that adults would bring phones and laptops and stuff into the station and be like, look, I found out this 40 year old man's trying to talk my daughter into going to the bus station. She's only 11 years old. You know what I mean? And they intercept a lot of this stuff, but you know, how much of that stuff actually happens and gets through. And mm -hmm. so if you're just thinking, okay, everything's quiet. My, my son's in his room. I can kind of do what I want to do. You don't know what's happening in the, in the inside of that room. So my, my thing is, is that evil people, people who want to do bad things, can have access to your children almost instantly while they're in your home, while they're in the safety of their rooms. And that's the part that scares me in the society that we live in today mm -hmm. is that so many people have access to you and your family that, that, that most people don't even stop and, and consider and think about. Mm -hmm. And man, you're doing so good to have me just add things to it, man. And I appreciate it. Um, So I am a, a young guy who grew up in the generation of starting with a flip phone to the screened phones to it being a computer in your pocket. And I got, I, I saw my first porn video when I was in fifth grade and I don't know yeah. where I saw it or where it came from, but it's right there, right in front of you. And we're not supposed to see or even know what that stuff is that early. And it's just getting worse. And, uh, you know, you got TikToks and you got all these things and people just throwing things at your kids. And one thing that I personally can't stand is when parents are getting annoyed with their kids and just here's a screen. Here's a video mm -hmm. game. Here's this. Leave me alone. I don't want to be a parent right now. And I that has to stop. I know I'm not a parent, but I'm just saying like our the kids in the generation are getting raised by a school system that isn't in your best interest, number one. Number two, they're getting raised by a screen. And there's so much, like what he was saying, the uh, the pedophiles, the information that you guys need to wait to see. I mean, I, we're very vulnerable on this podcast, right? Just to put it out there, you know, I, I saw videos of people getting their head cut off when I was in seventh grade, man, it scarred me for life, you know? Yep. And I wonder how we could do that to flip, flip it around in the future. Um, for what I could see is like, if, if at a masculine leadership standpoint, the man being, uh, the leader protector and provider of the house, you know, since you are living that, what do you think is a good way to go about that for like, for me, let's say you're coaching me, for instance, on 
how to go about that with kids in a way to do your best to keep them off the phones, to raise them in that kind of way. Because if they go to a friend's house, they can have it in front of them. They go to school. I'm just I'm thinking out loud here. Yeah, man, the the best way, and, and I don't know that there is a right way, but mm. it's all trial and error. And the problem is that sometimes by the time you figure out what works, it's already too late. You know, they've already been exposed to stuff. So, you know, I don't I don't make sure I, I don't want to bash anybody or anybody think I'm talking about anybody's particular parenting style. And I and I'll just before I even dig into it too far, I'll let you know that I have a four year old son, Dawson, who is um autistic. He's verbal. He's uh but not in a way. Like, like me, I, 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 I'm on the spectrum, but at two years old, like I can vividly remember stuff that happened a year, year and a half old. And then at, by, by two, my parents tell me that I had a, a, a massive vocabulary and I could talk to you like a, like an adult at two years old. So I've done a ton of research as I've gotten older and that's, that's sort of common for people on the spectrum that are, that are very high functioning. And then you get sort of further down and, and all the way to where kids become inaudible and it's a, it's a social disorder. So I have some social issues, but not as bad as like my four-year-old. So my four-year-old doesn't really talk, but he's obsessed with the TV. And, and part of, part of being on the spectrum is you have these things that you get obsessed about. Like, I'm not, I'm not afraid, like for the last four months, I've been obsessed with watching videos on near death experiences. They just, Mm. For whatever reason, I just am am obsessed with it. I just I, I love listening to it because I start to see all these parallels and things that people are talking about. But I get interested in things and I'll just spend months just researching it and, and collecting things on it because it's just how my mind works. He's that way. But I say all that to say there's not a day that goes by that we don't give in and just let him watch TV, you know, mm. because it's so hard to have a conversation. It's so hard to get him to want to do anything else. But we've worked very hard so that we could have, for example, we have a pontoon boat. We live at the beach. So all week on the weekends, we're on the water. We stay on the water and he is obsessed with swimming. It's like therapy mm. for him. So we try to do as much things as we can do as a family to where I can, without hesitation, tell the older kids, put your phone down, be with the family. And, and, and they do. And then, of course, we set boundaries at night. We'll take them, put them on the counter. They stay in the kitchen. You don't need them in your room all night. Those type things. And do they sneak out of their rooms and get their phones and that kind of stuff? I'm sure. Mm. So that's why I say there's no, it's very hard for there to be a right way. Because I also believe when you're dealing with teenagers, if you just take it away, then mm. they'll, they'll shut down. You will lose the ability to have that influence as well. It's right. all a game of give and take, man. It's, 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 it's life. Yeah. And, and, and it's hard for me. So here's another thing. I think someone like you, who's on the, the personal growth sort of journey that you're on this path you've chosen for yourself in life, while you're trying to do with your podcast, 
would be someone that would be better probably to give advice to parents my age on how to deal with that with kids. Because here's what happened when I was in high school, we didn't have cell phones. It, I was in ninth, 10th grade when we wow. first started getting the old big block Nokia phones. And back then we had uh, dial up internet and it was really slow. So my high school was the very beginning of the cell phone and internet era. I, it was after I graduated. I was probably right around your age, maybe a little younger, maybe 21, when people began to text. We started texting. And back then, they would charge you like 10 cents per message. And I would get in trouble because I was on my dad's phone playing and that kind of stuff, you know. So I didn't have, there were, it, this is hard. It's wild for me to believe because it's only 20 years, it's only 20 years difference. But there were no cell phones. There were no internet. There mm -hmm. were no, I didn't have access to porn. I didn't have access to any of that stuff as a teenager. So when I think back to how I need to sort of parent my kids through high school, I also have to understand that I don't have any idea what it's like to be a high schooler in today's mm -hmm. world. It's not the same as it was when I was in high school. That's true. So it's, it's very hard. I don't, it makes it hard for you to know what's right or wrong. You know what I mean? You don't want to alienate your kids. You don't want them to hate you, but you also want to be a responsible parent. So I don't think the fault is always on the parent and the parent just not yeah. caring other as much as it is. We're all kind of trying to figure this out. So I think, I think more young people your age can show up and be like, you know what? I did come up when this was normal. And I think it would have helped me if my dad did X, Y, Z, you know, maybe I had a little too much freedom here. You know, things that I just don't even know to speak on because I've only experienced this stuff as an adult. Yeah. So that's that's huge, man. And something that kind of came to mind when you were talking about that is, uh, you know, my dad. I always bring up my dad because how he raised me and everything I could tie to it. We have a great relationship now. But in high school, you know, when he would teach me to do things or how to go about it a certain way, he would teach it like how he would have taught it to himself when he went to high school well you you can't do that um because it's a whole different ball game and th this is the first time i put these parallels together because like if i were a parent i would find a way how to learn and understand my children ask them those questions like uh i don't know like my dad, I would always have to teach him how to use his cell phone, and I still have to do that today. So maybe it's a way where you can ask the kids certain questions to learn, like, hey, what's going on in school nowadays? Like, what are the certain trends? Like, what's the new cool thing? Like, uh, show me what this is on the phone. Like, I blew my dad away the other day showing him what ChatGPT was. He was like, what? what the heck is this and teaching him these cool little things. And he was intrigued and then he started doing it himself. So maybe it's like where the teacher becomes the, the student in a way and figuring out a way how to have that relationship with your kiddos to learn the new things going on, because like it or not, I'm still stuck in ways that I came about, you know, I'm not on all the new things that the new kids are coming into, but I do my best to learn every day. And I feel like that might be a spectrum that has to change over time is 
really understanding your kids and meeting them where they are instead of meeting them where you were because it won't work because they will never be able to understand. They won't. And and the thing about kids, man, the thing about teenagers is, is the world that you live in. And I said it a little earlier, the world that you live in is completely different than the world that your parents live in. It's like, it's like me and you right now, we're, we're doing very good going back and forth in this conversation. But if me and you sat down and started to talk about the world, I, we, there's not, it's not a chance we have the same view. So me and you don't live in the same world. So that, I, that's kind of what I was getting at with the, with the parents and the kids and you, you, you hit on it about the becoming the teacher. But I, I just think that eventually the whole, I hope I don't, it's not, and I don't want to say, I think because I didn't have those things as a child, I don't know how they affect a child. So it's hard for me to say what's right and wrong. So mm. I think my generation raising your generation, there's a bit of a disconnect because it's completely different. So when I was 22 and when my dad was 22, it really didn't change that much. You throw in the internet, you throw in cell phones, you throw in the ability to to see your friends instantly. Like I had to dial my friend's phone number in high school and their parents would answer the phone at their house and I could ask to speak to them. And it wasn't like it, like I, it, it was not an abnormal for me. Like, Hey, can I talk to Tristan? And they'd be like, I told you not to call my house after six and just hang up on you. You know, we learned <laughs> some hard lessons as a kid. You don't learn that stuff today because you just have access to to, to connect directly with your mm. friends. And then that also, like, and, and that terrifies me because there were a lot of things that I would have done had I been able to get away with it, but there was no way to get away with it. If you had given me and my friends cell phones as teenagers, I can't even begin. Like I probably, I may not even still be alive today. And that's what terrifies me because there yeah. was, we were just so, it was so much harder to communicate. It was so much harder to orchestrate a plan than it is today. You know what I mean? And then mm-hmm. now, and, and you touched on, this is where it's going to get really scary for parents is with AI. Now you can have, like, if I want you to talk to my dad, I can make it sound like, my dad you see what i mean like i can now trick other parents into thinking you're talking to my dad like you start to incorporate these ai tools man i can i can make pictures voices whatever i want to help sell my my scheme mm-hmm. to my parents who don't understand the technology so yeah. i don't know it's, it's a tricky it's a tricky world man it is very tricky indeed. And something I forgot to mention as well is that obviously I I ended up pretty good while learning, you know, how I grew up with the cell phones and stuff. Was it by chance? Maybe. Was it God's plan? Maybe. I, it was definitely God's plan, not maybe. It's always God's plan. It's always God's plan. That's why I caught myself there. Um, but what I'm getting at is like maybe that's not a bad thing for them to learn on their own, but figure out a way how to uh have them learn on their own while being there for support when questions come about, like being able to be like, I was no, no offense to my father and a lot of other fathers who were raised um, in your generation. Right. Um, They're very pretty closed off 
themselves too, like not really knowing how to ask the right questions, not knowing really how to listen instead of telling. And uh, it's just something that maybe we'll learn more over time. But with the AI thing, something that I will just give to everybody listening here that like it or not, like it or not, AI is the future now. It's not going away. Oh. It's just the truth. It's not going away. Um, and it will take over a lot of jobs. It'll make a lot of things easier. Yes, there's a good and bads of it all, but like I would highly recommend teaching yourself and taking advantage of it now because it will be the new car, you know, it will be the new Apple product, you know, it'll be that next big thing. Um, so before you it get will too be. lost in it. So, um, so I w I do have some advice to give your younger listeners right now. If you want to differentiate yourself moving forward, knowing that AI is the way of the future, there's going to come a day. This is what I see happening. There's going to come a day when everything that you write, your Facebook post, your Instagram, your Twitter, Twitter tweets, all that. I don't, I don't use Twitter, but all of that stuff is going to be able to be generated at the snap of a finger. You don't, you won't even have to do it. And it'll, I think there's going to be a disconnect. I believe that so many people are going to know that that's possible. They're going to, they're going to quit giving any weight to something that they read. Cause you're not, it's going to be a, you're not going to, you're going to believe that it wasn't written by a person, but just, a machine. Mm -hmm. So I think the the most important thing, I think it's more important today than ever before to, to really buckle down and start educating yourself so that when you speak, you sound intelligent so that you can separate yourself face to face, having conversations. I think that's something that, that society is going to lose a grasp mm -hmm. on in the future. Boom. That's what I believe. So I think the people who I don't want to say don't utilize it because I utilize AI. I, I, I've built out an entire new brand over the last two months and chat GPT has been heavily involved in all of that. Um, and it should be because it's a shortcut, like the amount of work that I can get done, the amount of time I can condense in a week now utilizing that is insane. So I use it and I, and I've talked to my kids and showed my kids that how I use it is to educate myself. I don't copy and paste stuff. If I want to mm -hmm. make a point, I'll talk to it about the point and I'll understand, I'll, I'll deduct reasoning from it and stuff as well so that I'm always educating myself yeah. and not just having it produce something that I put over here and try to push off as my own because in a, there's going to come a day when I get questioned on something and I can't say, hold on, let me post this, paste it over here and get your answer. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think, I think, a young person today, focus on educating yourself, focused on, on, on making sure you know how to have conversations. Young men, make sure without a doubt, like the most important thing you do, understand the difference in what a, what a, what a good firm handshake is versus one that's just makes you come across as being not confident like like make yeah. sure you you, you grip a, a person's hand look them in the eye say things like yes sir yes ma'am no sir start doing things now that separate you from the pack and mm -hmm. your life will be a whole lot easier moving forward check that out man and i'll end it with this what he was just saying is that we are going to lose 
our connectiveness as humans. We already are, and it's just getting started. So how us men, a lot of the people listening to this are men, how we're going to differentiate ourselves is by becoming the example of somebody who's not a robot in the future. Because already people are robots. They're all tied into their phone. You meet Mm -hmm. them in person and they're a totally different person. You need to be the same person that you are texting, posting, talking on social media in person too. And then that's my mission to conquer or help people or young men conquer their lives, become fulfilled, become that example. So then we could teach others. Cause like it or not, guys, we need you. This podcast is not for me or Kenny. It is for you guys listening because it is needed. 100%. We're, we're, we're entering a world and a time that like it or not, robots are going to be doing everything. And for me, Yes, I do utilize chat GPT, but I, like he said, I make sure I'm learning. I'm making sure that I'm still pouring into myself and doing the necessary things to be connected as a human. And if we just let every, it's the lassadaisical things that society keeps throwing onto us to make everything easier. Do the hard shit. Do it. Do not let this next wave of technology take over you. Follow leaders like me. And Kenny, there's there's tons of us out there, like it or not, the media might not want to show you guys, but we're all around. And this will be the deciding factor for the next generations to come is by uniting and becoming one, becoming that brotherhood that we have lacked in society, man. Anything you want to add? Where can they find you, by the way? Man, I have a a podcast of my own. The first episode comes out next week. Uh, if you're if you're watching this, it'll be the first week in June. Um, but it's called "Avoid the Confusion" with Kenny Robinson, and it's it's geared a little more towards entrepreneurship. But I mean, it's a it's a lot, you know, sort of similar to what you're doing, man. I just want to make sure that people understand where they're headed, and uh, and and sort of tune out all the white noise you know and most people getting started in life will ask advice of friends and family and they get a bunch of advice that is absolutely in no way shape or form relevant to what it is they're trying to do but they take it as instead of an opinion a lot of people take it as stone cold fact and you can't do that like you 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 have to be in control of your vision your purpose your mission in life and and don't waver from it and that's sort of where where my podcast is geared to and then other than that man kenny robinson on facebook and instagram and other than that i'm just out here trying to make the world a little bit better place and i found it absolutely man and i can just tell you're doing good your god put you here to do what you're doing and uh this has been a fantastic episode man um everybody who's listening if you enjoyed this please don't forget to subscribe Leave us a review and share with your friends and family, including this podcast. Please share this. Let it be heard. Everything Kenny has been dropping today has been absolute bombs in a good way. Don't cancel me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And be sure to tune in next time for another exciting episode where we help you take control of your life and achieve the success you desire. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Till next time.